You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations. I am your host, Virgil Varix, and welcome to the show. Today is August 10th, 2019. Wow, the summer's going by quick. And uh, let's get right into the show. So today we got a few guests. A few are on their way still. Uh, we got Matt here, though. How you doing, Matt? Doing well. Glad to be here, as always. Good, good, good. I'm happy you're here. Okay, so I guess, you know, I was thinking about this for a while now, of how to talk about this how to bring it up. And I wanted to get, you know, a group of people that are artistically inclined, have, you know, a great interest in all types of art. Um, in Awkward Hermit's case, you know, she actually does, you know, produce art daily. So uh, in August's case, you know, he uh, curates art in a lot of ways. So to me, I think, you know, getting everybody that has a, not necessarily an equal or, you know, a congruent, you know, relationship with art. But I think people that are all interested in art to talk about this particular subject. And uh, the subject we're going to be talking about today, or I guess the topic really is, um, is it ever possible to separate art from the artist? You know, um, do you think that art or even should or can be separated from the artist? Is it possible to avoid having an artist's biography influence the way we see his or her work? Or... Is there a way to kind of separate the two? And I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kind of give you my interpretation of why I think this is important to talk about. And then, you know, Matt, I want to hear from you and see what you think and why you think this particular topic is important to talk about. So, um, I think it's, I think it's this really important topic primarily because when we deal with art, um, particularly art, uh, people tend to deify artists and celebrities and people of influence. And I would even extend this to public intellectuals and scientists and uh, inventors and even athletes. People tend to deify these people, whether it's through the media, whether it's through um, you know social interactions with other people, the way they talk about them. So I think it's important to look at these people as human beings and not to put them on a pedestal above us. And I think a key characteristic is that there's a ton of, you know, people out there who are super talented, very good at what they do, but are horrible, abhorrent people. And, you know, people that you would never be caught even being in the same building, let alone the same room with. And, you know, these, and I think that's, I think this is a fundamental understanding that they're, you know, humanity isn't necessarily, so the thing is like people would expect, oh, bad people wouldn't necessarily, you know, be able to produce beautiful artwork. 
And that's just not true. And I think, you know, it's not as black and white as people like it to be or would, you know, hope it, you know, perceive it to be. I think it's more nuanced than that. And I would say that separating the art and the artist is a tough, you know, endeavor to do. And I do think it has to be based on a case by case basis. I don't think we can have a blanket statement one way or the other. I think it's important to understand because some artists work I would make, you know, and I'll make the arguments later on when everybody gets here is that, you know, some artists work tend to be so ingrained with who they are that it's almost impossible to separate the art from the artist. Um, and, you know, just to quickly finish up my point here and why I think it's important to talk about it. This is something we all deal with. You know, if people go to, a, you know, let's say a football game where, you know, quarterback has been accused of something you know, terrible or, you know, go to a concert and, you know, opening act happens to be somebody or a group of people that you, you know, you necessarily don't like because of their, you know, behavior outside of their art form. You know, this will create a circumstance and a situation that causes us to be uncomfortable. It'll create, co you know, cognitive dissonance. And a lot of people feel very, um, you know, conflicted. And a lot of people are like, you know, so for instance, one of the examples I like to bring up is, you know, when Bill O'Reilly got, you know, kicked off Fox <laughs> News for his sexual allegations, everybody was like, okay, yeah, who cares? Screw that guy. But, you know, the moment, you know, somebody they like or somebody they happen to view in a favorable way in terms of their art or what they say, you know, comes out and something happens to be said about them, then boom, all of a sudden, you know, they tend to have the opposite reaction. Uh, that's and, and when the cognitive dissonance really exactly. hits. Exactly. That's exactly when the cognitive dissonance hits. And that's what I think we need to talk about today. And like, you know, removing the cognitive dissonance from the conversation as best as possible will allow us to kind of, I think, look at each one of these topics one by one and not have a situation where in all intents purposes where people just pick and choose based on who they like and who they don't like. It's, it's you know, not as arbitrary as that. There has to be some type of objectable measure towards some of this stuff, I feel like. It can't be all subjective. I mean, granted, the way people look at art is, you know, completely subjective. But the thing is, like, there has to be some, you know, concretes here. And I think the way we approach this, at least the way I try and approach this, is we got to, you know, it is case by case, which does, you know, include a lot of subjectivity. But I'll also make the argument that for certain artists, it's hard or almost impossible to remove them. Now, Matt, why do you think talking about this particular thing and also talking about the struggle that people have when it comes? Because it's not just, you know, can you do it? It's also like, I feel pretty bad about this and I don't know how to feel. <laughs> you know, And a lot of people are caught in between those things. So go ahead. Why do you think this is important to talk about? I mean, it's important because in the society that we live in, we venerate these people, you know, we hold them to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. We put them under the limelight. Yes. And so when, when they have, that gives them influence, right? Mm -hmm. And so with that influence, you'd like to think that with it would come a certain amount of responsibility mm. to be, you know, just to uphold okay. honor, I guess. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, but to go off on a couple of your points that you Please. said, uh, looking at it on a case by case basis is definitely one way to do it. Okay. I like, 
and for me, like, yeah, there's some artists that I liked when I was growing up. I didn't know anything about the bad stuff they did. Yeah. You find out later, oh, man, they're not such good people. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but the art, like, for music, like, it will still have that nostalgic of course. feel for me. You know? I, I like, agree. I'll, I can still appreciate. Okay. So on an individual level, I say I definitely can separate okay. the art from the artist. Okay. But looking at it as a whole, you know, like choose that's choosing like what lens to view it as. You could either say, okay, I don't think we should separate the art from the artist mm -hmm. and it should be absolute okay. because there's just too many working factors intertwined. Okay. It's almost, they would argue that it could be impossible yes. to even yes. do it. Yes. To attempt it. And then the other argument I've heard that would go against that in favor of, of separating is that it's the best way to look at art, right? That if you're, if you care about what the actual artist did, you're uncultured. Gotcha. So it's, it's more of like a highbrow, like, yeah. Artsy well, I think, I think there's, it. I think there is, you know, and this is like another topic we're definitely going to get talking about. There is a viewing this, there is a high culture and low culture viewing angle to a lot of this stuff. But, you know, aside from that, now, um, do you feel like, have you noticed as time has gone on, there has been more, um, not, I wouldn't say cog only cognitive dissonance, but people feeling more uncomfortable about playing certain songs about, you know, from certain artists and certain things like that. Have you noticed there being more of a conscious, you know, effort by people to, um, I guess cancel this stuff from their lives? Cancel is a good term. Exactly. Because yeah. that's what they are doing, <clears throat> essentially. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, that's definitely increased over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like Michael Jackson back in his heyday. Yeah. Was, he was allowed that's to do it. That's that definitely, stuff. that's definitely, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna really dive <laughs> yeah. into, into, uh, all these, all these people and figures. Um, one of the things I, I have a, you know, a pretty basic, I guess, question here is, do you feel that, now, do you feel that, this type of discussion about the art and the artist, do you feel that it can be productive on all fronts? Like, do you feel like there's some people out there that are just so irrational about it? So I feel like there is there some people out are, there. Yeah. So like the, you know, a quick example of some of the irrational people towards this yeah. type of viewpoint are, um, let's take the, the lady, ladies who helped pay R. Kelly's, uh, you know, bail expense. You know, they will, literally uh, support that man no matter what he does i mean he could kill a room full of people <laughs> and you know they would still be supporting him and trying to get him out of jail yeah. so i mean to me like it's more for for those people they cannot separate you, the, the art from the artist so much that they're willing to put you know monetary sums hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this guy out of jail and like so the thing is i feel like a lot of people try to say they do Oh yeah, I try. You know, I I make attempts to separate the art and the artist, but I, I do think a lot of people, when they hear a song, they cannot uh, even have the ability to separate them. Or let's say they look at a piece of artwork and they can't separate the ability from them looking at the artwork and realizing that the person wasn't very good or very nice. Um, and do you feel like being able? Do, do you feel like the the method that you Used to like separate the art from the artist. Do you find that 
has to be worked on over time or is that something that one can just kind of grasp and then kind of apply it um, as is? I mean, for, it's or probably is a little mix of both. Probably a little mix of both. Like for me, just not using any specific examples. Yes. But, uh, like if there's an artist that I like listening to or appreciating their art, what, viewing it, watching it, just seeing it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they're a bad person and yeah. I know that they're a bad person. Uh, my process is just kind of like, you know, you push it aside you because you know you like the art. You know you appreciate yeah. the art. Mm-hmm. And so I guess just in that, like in each specific instance, this yes. will go back and forth. But like for some, it'll trump yes. like the, you know, the what they did. I yes. like their art too much okay. to never listen to them again, to swear them off, you know. Yes, I but see for some, And it depends on what they did that's bad, of course. I, okay, yeah. Depends so I think on that's, how much I so like context, them. Okay, so okay, so that's interesting. So it is pretty contextual for yes. me. Okay, I, I see don't, what you're saying. I don't take like a blanket approach look to it. Okay. Say like, oh, I always have to separate So you try them. to have a more nuanced I have like approach. a gut, you know, like if... There's a gut, initial yeah. gut, you know, intuition that you right. get. But then you take that like, intuition and then kind of... How upset upset am I really by what this guy did or was alleged to have done? Okay, got you. Now, there's obviously – and the thing is like there's a difference between making the – so you can support somebody. So people will make the argument, oh, if you listen to somebody's artwork or buy their artwork or buy a movie or watch their movie or go to a movie, whatever it may be, or listen to the you know uh, know, YouTube or podcast, whatever. You're supporting this person financially, but not only supporting them financially, you're supporting them, you know, just by getting them out there. Yeah. So I would, there's a way I kind of look at this is, um, there's, you can either have the principled approach, which is like, okay, I'm not going to watch this, not only because out of profit, but out of principle. You know, granted, I don't want them to profit, but I, out of principle, I don't want to watch this. Now, there's a lot of people that will say, Okay, I don't want them to profit, so I'll, you know, bootleg all this stuff and just listen to it. So people will end up doing that. Yeah. Which incur you know, which encourages piracy and all this other stuff that is, you know, complicated and you know makes musicians uh, you know, yeah. go crazy as, <laughs> as is. But do you feel that um that type of distinction is important? The distinction between Oh, what I do I was just mentioning, the I the idea that um essentially you should be able to Trying to see how to put this in a better way. They just gave you that example, but the example necessarily doesn't put it into perspective. Let me think. Um, do you think that – I guess, do you think that supporting – so listening to a song, right, through illegal means oh, I see. on an yeah. artist, do you feel like that is a better approach for some of these? I see what you're saying. Um, or do you think, or do you think it's a more? Do you think people should have, or do you think yourself? Do you have more of a principled stance? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like pirating something. Well, not necessarily pirating. Pirating. No, but just into, for you know, for the purpose of, of not, not supporting, supporting that particular right, artist. Right. No, exactly. Got gotcha. you. Okay. But I mean, yeah, it's you're still listening to it. Okay, you're so, still allowing it to influence you. Ah, I see. This is uh, this is where, so, this is where it gets you know, interesting to me. It's like. See, this is where the, this is where the conversation gets. I think I, like there are some. I think one thing I just kind of thought about yes. was it's a lot easier for me to condemn 
like an artist. Of course, yeah. But no, before, like, if I hadn't heard of them much before, right? Okay, yeah. Like, okay. if I know of them, so they go to your never, bias. They go to your bias. Right. Okay, but it makes it's sense. Like, yeah. Oh, like I've listened to them in the past, and it was good. Like, yeah. yeah, I'll stick with them. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'll see how this, see plays, how this out. plays out. Yeah, I see what you're saying, and I think that is, you know. I'm happy you're able to like identify your bias because <laughs> I have. I, mean, I think everybody kind of does that in their own way, and I think um, you know as the conversation goes along today, we'll we'll be able to kind of I'll bring up like a few you know particular instances that I think I would want to go over yeah. and kind of break down in the way and fashion that I think would be you know pretty good. Right. But I will I will make the statement <laughs> uh, that a lot of individuals out there tend to think that the best thing to do with art is um, just cancel it all. You know, if the person <laughs> if the person involved in the art, you know, is, you know, a piece of crap, then, you know, obviously we have to cancel all their stuff yeah. and all their work and almost pretend like they didn't get, you know, awards or any of this stuff. And I think that type of obfuscation is kind of, you know, not – it's not good because you're not, number one, addressing anything. And the person may or may not have done. You're just saying eraser – you know, like I, this person doesn't exist and in a way. I, I think this problem is also pretty exacerbated by like online communities, you know, okay. social media would, right today. I would, I would like, agree with that. Well, social media mobs and – Witch hunting, yes. Tumblr back in the day, social <laughs> yeah. justice warriors. Well, the thing Ooh. is like I would say even on the other side, take for instance like the chicks, the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. You know, when as soon as they came out against the Iraq war – all the right wingers, <laughs> and that was really young. All the right wingers are burning their albums, burning their shirts, burning their tickets that they have for the next uh, concert. Yeah. They lost their minds. I think it goes both ways. I will say that depending on what is what is being done or what is the, what artists is. So in that instance, the Dixie Chicks were were like the view was at least for like a big swath of the population was yeah. these women do not support our troops. Well, you know, that's exactly what the idea was. Instead, they were anti-war, you know, against what was going on. But people just automatically read anti-war as against our troops. And that was, like, you know, a total fallacy. It has nothing to do with anything. But people judge the people judge Dixie Chicks and it hurt their career permanently. Yeah. Now, something like that, you know, and the thing is, like, people ha- – and that shows – that's a case of not separating the art from the artist. That was like a whole like half of the country yeah. like went completely, you know, you know, crazy against this person. And, you know, it caused it caused their ability to I guess I guess the way to put it, it caused their ability to think kind of went out the window because the Dixie Chicks, you know, their their critique was, I think, fine. But I don't, the thing is, like the rest of the population did not or or was not able to, you know, separate the well, art from the, well, the one half of the population that didn't align with those views. Well, of course. Well, the thing is, like they just read it as, oh my God, these people are, you know, <laughs> southern, you know, country singers. They they agree with me, you know, and then all of a sudden, an anti-war sentiment comes out, and they automatically take it as anti-troops. So I think, you know, but the thing is like they not only do they, you know, destroy the art, they try to destroy them as people too. And that was like another thing. I remember watching that and like their career never was, you know, able to get back up from the ground from that incident in that moment. Now, uh, we just had Awkward Hermit come in. Hello. Hi there. How's it going? Very good. Good, good, good. I'm doing very wonderful. Okay. um, I actually have a question for you because – Matt and I have been blabbing on, but <laughs> <laughs> we kind of gave our reasons why we think 
um, the topic is important, why we think it's a, you know, an essential topic to discuss primarily because of what's going on, you know, culturally, but also, um, in terms of this is something we grapple with every day. And, you know, people turn on sports, people will turn on a movie, people will look at a piece of art or read a book and then be like, ah, I don't really feel about this. So why do you think this topic is important to speak about? Um, So personally, I find if there are people that have created or um, committed crimes Mm -hmm. like uh, sexual assault, for example, and they are still profiting off the artwork they're making, Mm -hmm. I I feel it's necessary to um, obviously not support them because every woman that I know personally that Mm -hmm. has been raped has not been brought to justice. And Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. maybe it's just part of the like – general outrage that i think we all feel yeah you know you you have the capacity to directly support and give people a platform and you know monetary support is really big too so that's what i was we were just we were just talking about that you know there's some people that you know take the idea that okay i don't want to support this artist right you know you know in terms of you know having them profit but what I will do is, you know, bootleg all their stuff right. and then, you know, watch it and then consume it that way. Right. Now, yeah. do you, as a slight counterpoint to that as well, you could say that like an author's book is like of importance to the genre or something like that. Right. So it's like you should be able to critically analyze it, look at it with a critical eye, right. be able to assess it. But mm-hmm. that's a sticky situation because if the author is a terrible person. It's like, do you even should you really? Yeah, right. and how does it influence their writing itself? But I guess that would be up to the critic to curate what he wants to review, and I guess right. how to review it. Yeah, with if whether or not you put that in, in, in the way. But do you think that so I, I, there is the monetary way of you know of not supporting an artist right. or supporting whatever uh, it might be, whether it's a, a team that has a, a particular individual on there that's a piece of crap or uh, an abuser of some kind. Or whatever you might do, whatever pick you want to take. Now, there's also the principal way. Mm-hmm. I won't support them monetarily, but I won't also go ahead and have their stuff near or around me. Right. And um, I, the way I kind of look at it is, at least personally, I think the principled approach is good, um, and I think it, it's it's pretty valid. I, but I, but I do think that it's important on a case by case basis. So, like for right. instance, um. I bought um, a good amount of books written by dictators a few a few months ago, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So I bought a lot of Lenin's writings. I brought some Stalin's writings. I bought um, – what do you call it? Uh, table talk of uh, Hitler that was written by – you know, just as random spurts while he was sitting at dinner and stuff like that. Right. Now – the reason I the reason I buy those things and you know read those things is to understand my enemy. My enemy is right. authoritarianism, and my enemy is people that are willing and able to use authoritarian methods to take over right. you know populations or to you know suppress peoples of all types. As now, a, even just from like an appreciation of history perspective, well, that I think that's I think that's that's a whole another thing, and that kind of goes into art. So, like, if you bring in an artist and say, "Oh, well, this has an artistic," you know. There's an artistic uh, appreciation here, but there's also a historical one. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of you, how do you separate um, the principled approach versus you know the profit approach? Do you think those things can be separate or do you think they have to be intertwined? 
You know, the thing is, there there's so many different cases of so many different offenses a person can make mm-hmm. that there, there's a lot of room for a gray area. Yeah, um, it's not black and white. Right. So I personally, like if there's proof of mm-hmm. whatever it is they committed and if they can still profit off the art or if it gives them a voice or yeah. any power at all, yeah, I, I feel obligated not to support them monetarily. Sometimes. People can make really wonderful art, though, and be terrible yeah, human beings. Terrible, terrible, horrible human and beings. And some of them are still alive. So yes. in that case, like, uh, for example, one of my favorite books ever is uh, Ender's Game. Mm, and, yes. uh, like, that's a huge, as far as the sci-fi genre goes, I would argue one of the best. Mm-hmm. And yet yeah. the the author himself is so anti-LGBTQ <laughs> or yes. whatever. And it, it's uh, Extremely. very offensive, some of the yeah, things that he said. Yeah. But if you... If you like, if I hadn't known that, I still could have had a wonderful experience with the book. The messages that I actually got from it were were the opposite of so many of the mm, things that he said. Because yeah. like inherently, you know, it, it's this boy who was trained to uh, like kill and, mm-hmm. and dominate ends up loving a um, alien foreign species that <laughs> you know humans have obviously been treating badly. Yeah. See, I think you know this kind of goes into I think a topic of human nature. A lot of people can have self contradictory opinions at the same time. Right. And like have those in their brain boiling around and, yeah. you know, not realize, you right. know, I'm writing this book about, you know, breaking barriers in terms of, you know, uh, relationships and all this stuff. But I'm so, you know, negative and nasty on this other end, right. which is virtually the same thing I'm writing about in yeah. a lot of ways. So I, I do think that that is important. Now, do you find that if an artist is dead, do you find it easier to then make the case to look at their work? Yeah, more objectively, because I do think it's important to critically analyze things that are a part of human history. Mm. So, like, uh, for example, one of my favorite painters of all time uh, is uh, Caravaggio, and yeah. he's also a known murderer, like for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah of so, course. but um, that's true. Like, I there there are few paintings that I've ever seen that I've been so blown away by. Mm, so, yeah. like that's an example where you know by going and seeing his his work and seeing the creative uh, process that he's gone through, I, I think you can do that and just keep in mind like who he was as a person and how that may have influenced him. Yeah, but like obviously don't agree with murder. So. Got you. Yeah, and you know some people will make the argument that, you know, it – so I, I've tended to make the argument that when an artist puts something out there in the world, it's it's their work but it really is everybody else's at the same time because of their interpretation. Right. And I really believe there's a – you know, there's unlimited interpretations to any piece of art, whether it's literature, whether it's movies. Right. So in a lot of ways, the art doesn't – is not really theirs anymore in a lot of ways. It's somebody right. else's. And yes. I think you know that's a very postmodern take. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is. If it is, of course. I mean, I agree with the postmodern take in the sense that you know there is interpreted, there is unlimited interpretations. Of course, there's unlimited interpretations, but I do think some interpretations are probably more on point than others mm. of of certain things. Well, and that that ways. gets into like, does the authors matter more? Does the authors matter at all? Well, yeah, that's I think. See, I, I, see, that's see, that's so important. I guess. Hmm. That's a good question. What do you think? That's yeah. I'm gonna pose that question right back at you because I can do it. <laughs> um, I mean, it is like it, it. For me, it would go either way, depending on the artist, depending on or the author, even depending on what they did. Okay, how much I like their book. Like it See, for me, it's a very like it's I very go I go case by case. Yeah, more so than just apply like a blanket approach. Right. Yeah. Okay, and I think that's fine. I think you can have um. So I, what you said earlier. That you have this initial intuition 
right. about an artist and their yeah. work. I, so you hear, like, you hear an artist that you like, you like his stuff, and then you hear down the road he did something bad, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and that's going to affect how you view his art. Right. But it's just, it's like up to your moral code. Like, is what he did that bad to you? Where do I you draw those saying. moral lines? So, yeah, I see what you're saying. But also, like, do you feel like, not only in terms of is, is that bad for you, know, but also do you feel – so like for instance, one of the things – one of the groups I uh, um, listened to in the past, right, uh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. You know, there's a book out there called The Two Lives of Jimmy Page and it talks about how Jimmy Page went around the world with like a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> and like nobody really knew this until like recently. I mean <laughs> apparently some people in you know the community, the rock and roll community kind of had an idea and understood this. But, you know, that – did that affect the way I looked at their art? Of course it did. Did it make me, um, you know, not like their art? No. Did it make me um, – let's put it this way. Did it make me feel a certain way when I listened to their stuff? Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, just to know that that was a thing going on throughout I, the whole – and the rest yeah. of the band wasn't saying anything or doing anything about it. They were enabling it. Yeah. It kind of made me feel like – Ew, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, plus and I think that's I think that's what the initial intuition is, is that ew, and then you kind of reason your way yeah. into so, a into a position. As in the case, just taking Led Zeppelin as an example, yeah. uh cancel culture we yes. got into a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh for me, I I won't cancel Led Zeppelin after hearing that. You okay. know, I yeah. won't go on a campaign to say burn their records. Okay. Don't support them. Got you, got you. But I'll, my interest in them will be super, super lessened. Right. I'm not going to like cringe if I hear them on the radio. Or, like, yeah, you know, somewhere. Thing but, is, like, yeah, I won't. See, the thing is, like, I won't. Necessarily... I might, I might change a channel yeah. a lot faster than I used to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's I think that's. But like, you know, that was music that I listened to when I was growing up as a kid. So that's yeah. formative to me. It's like I can still appreciate it from that point of view. Right. Yeah. Well, do you feel? Do you feel that? Um, whether or not, so this kind of gets into what he was mentioning earlier. I like stuff. Stuff was formative to me. This stuff, you know, has been around in my life and, you know, it's almost inseparable from some of my memories. Mm-hmm. Now, that is the case for a lot of people's art, you know, the, the art that they right. consume. It's, it has been formative. You know, it has been something that's been ever present since they were a kid or whatever. And then, you know, boom, the artist gets hit with some type of, um, you know, uh, accusation or he gets convicted of a crime. Now, um, do you feel like the stuff – do you feel like, – and I, that's a bias and I told him that's his bias. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and he knows that's his bias. And, you know, that's kind of I think everybody's bias in a way. People – the stuff they like will end up trying to find ways to mentally – you know, do mental gymnastics in their right. head to kind of – Justify you know, them still liking just it. Justify them still liking the art. And the yeah. thing is like I th- – this is a hard thing to do and I think a lot of people end up – Making the mistake of when that happens, they end up, you know, having they end up marrying the art to the artist even more so. Right. So I was mentioning the R. Kelly situation. Yes. How you know there is like a lot of people there talking about this that are complete irrational actors. Mm-hmm. So I, we we mentioned the women who were uh, fans. Who are bailing yeah. actively bailing out Robert Kelly? Right, <laughs> you know they bought into his Pied Piper of R and B persona. Yeah. And they well, can't let it go. That cognitive dissonance is too yeah. strong. It is, and the, but the thing is, it's not only that. It's it's the fact that like oh they love his music okay, but it's it's like no 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 you've taken it to the whole different extent. You love the person as well, right? And that to me just shows that 
for some people, I think it's impossible to separate the art from the artist. Right. I don't think it's a. I don't think everybody can do it. That's and that's another well, and that see like in his case, he his art like there were like what's the word you know like hints to right. the behavior oh, in yeah. his music in his right? music yes but then there are also artists that like go to great lengths to hide their ideas particularly for musicians like I'm into techno so there's a few different techno musicians who will like wear masks on their face yes for the purpose of separating themselves from the music yeah right. so it depends in that sense I guess it does depend on the artist's intent mm-hmm. do you think it also depends on the art form they're engaging in do you think that has an an effect to how people view this? For sure. Um, people okay. like an author using a pseudonym, right? Okay, kind of what example, I've been doing. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Virgil. <laughs> yes. Um, now, do you think it's do you think you're, do you think it's easier for one art form versus the other? Um, I would say that it's definitely easier where the artist doesn't place themselves directly in it. So, okay. like with music, if you sing or if your voice is literally heard, um, mm. then that can be sometimes harder. Whereas, yeah. like, if you look at a painting and you don't know who the artist is, or if you watch a movie and you, you can't really tell who the director is, yeah. you can still have a very personal experience with that art. Yeah. But it's only until you learn anything. Like, so, for example, Road Dahl is one of my mm. favorite authors yeah. as a kid. Supposedly a Nazi sympathizer. Mm-hmm. Same thing yeah. with Disney. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I didn't know that until recently. Mm-hmm. And But I, I still, like, I love Matilda. And mm-hmm. I still love old Disney movies. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And like I think, you know, that kind of speaks on the cultural stuff going on. So like a lot of, you know, we spoke with Danny one time when we mentioned Heidegger and Heidegger was, was it literally a Nazi. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people today who like talk about Heidegger in high regard yeah. and, you know, speak about Heidegger's work as, you know, and the thing is like, was he the, the stuff he talked about? Was it fun? Was it fundamental to a lot of points of view in terms of in terms of? Does it have merit? Does it have merit? Did it did it did it influence like huge schools of of thought like postmodernism and other things? Of course it did. Yeah, but like the fact is, he's still a Nazi. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and but the thing is, like, was that was was he a Nazi because that was the only way to survive, or was he a Nazi because he actually believed it? And see, that kind of gets into this excusement mentality that people get into. Right. Like, you know, people will end up doing that with Heidegger. Like, oh, well, he just, you know, had to survive. It's like, well, hold on a second. He could have pulled, you know, a Schindler and, you know, <laughs> and yeah. some other stuff like that. Why didn't he do that? Yeah. You know, and his relationship with Hannah Arendt is even, you know, even a much weirder situation mm. that I, I don't want to go down because that just makes it <laughs> yeah. much more complicated. <laughs> but so I, I, I would agree with some, like, you know, musicians – it's harder because you're hearing their voice. Right. Um, I, I, I'm taking it. I just took it to a public intellectual. It's almost impossible to take a public intellectual and then, you know, separate what they've written from who they are as people. Right. Almost impossible. Um, yeah. I mean, like, so for instance, um, I had this, I read a book a while ago. Um, it's, I think it's, it's called Marxism, uh, an analysis. I think it's written by Thomas Sowell. And, you know, it just it, – it made, you know, the critiques and everything that, you know, it normally would. And then there was a chapter called Marks the Man mm-hmm. and it just went all about his life as a human being in, you know, in his life, his whole life. Right. And I read it and I was like, oh my god. I don't know how I feel about this right now. I got to yeah. – I was kinda... it like, uh, oh, so this is why he turned out that way? <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. Not necessarily. It kind of was um, like, oh, that doesn't – seem to jive with the way what he talked about yeah. so there, there is some you know there is some contradictions there right. and the same thing for like angles angles you know who was his his, his writer he was also a businessman you know <laughs> and owned factories and stuff like that so 
for public intellectuals, I find that they have a lot more – it's much easier to look at them and then critique them because their thoughts are out there. You know what I mean? They're out there on the open and then you can take their thoughts and apply it to their actions and see if it's equal and say, no, you're horrible. <laughs> you know. So I think for them, it's almost impossible. Now, for artists in terms of like um, – uh, let's put it as directors now. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's harder – because like you said, you might be able to watch a movie and not know who the director is and still enjoy the movie right. and then kind of get it that way. Do you feel like – depending on who it is in the artistic process. Like, for instance, movies are giant collaborative processes, right? right? And the fact that there is over, you know, for a big, you know, $100 million budget movie, there's over, you know, a thousand people possibly working at it at one time or another, whether it's in post or, you know, Mm -hmm. pre-production or during production. Now, do you think – so some people will focus only on the actors in the film. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this actor is in the film – Therefore, I'm not going to go see it. Right. Um, that happened with Johnny Depp recently. Yes. And uh, you know, Kevin Spacey is another example. Yeah. You know, he, he lost his job at Netflix for House of Cards. So, you know, there has been, you know, response from, you know, I, w- I would say the corporate world yeah. in a lot of ways. But do you find it um, – so those are the people you see at the screen. Mm-hmm. Directors you don't necessarily see. Right. You might get their influence more so. Like you, you might see a Peter Jackson because he's heavily, you know, for instance, take Peter Jackson. Right. I love Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. but he he makes an effort to be seen everywhere his his actors are. Right. He's always with his actors. He's always around them. Same thing with Guillermo del Toro. Yes. He does the exact same type of thing. Yeah. He's always with his actors. But then you have like a person like you know Steven Spielberg. Not so much. You know, yeah. he kind of does his own and, thing. Uh, that's just their directing. Like that's just the peda- way. Not pedagogy, but yes, how they yeah, it's just how they yeah. it's how they do it. So that's one thing. So that kind of depends on the director and how they do something. But let's take a you know crew member. Mm-hmm. If a crew member is a horrible person or a um stunt man or stunt woman now do you find that to be something that people should take into Um, effect because i don't know because there's like there has been cases where you know a stunt man has been a murderer you know and something like that (laughs) and he's working with an actor and they're like all buddy buddy and he finds out to see that movie is getting him paid that's true you're supporting him so how down the artistic expression line how far can we take it to where we have to have this type of standard? Is it just the people that people recognize or people see as influencers? Or is it everybody involved with the, with the artistic expression? Mm. What do you think? Well, see, uh, I, I hate to refer to anybody who's like a part of a film as a cog in a machine, but it yeah. is no. a yeah. well-organized machine yes. that has oh, to be yeah. put together. Yeah. It is. So, you know, one bad... Bad egg, bad egg. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, you can't discount the entire work of art as a result, but maybe be mindful of uh, that and be mindful of how you consume it as a result. Got you. Got you. So, so yeah, I, th- I think the, what you're saying is having an awareness that is present, but not necessarily an awareness that is hyper-focused on every cog. Right. Exactly. Okay. Got you. Now, like, now like an example I would make. Is uh, Brent Ratner tried to get Gal Gadot to do a movie and she refused to do the movie, right? So that's that's another example of people within the industry refusing to do work. So I think, you know, instead of, you know, the wider culture canceling people, you're going to see people from, you know, within the industry cancel each other out to the <coughs> point where no one wants to work with one well, another. It's I think like that, a game of chicken, like, oh, I don't want to be associated yeah, with this but person because that will ruin for, my career. Well, the thing is like there's that, but there's also, you know, not supporting them for who they are. 
And I think, you know, those two things can be true at the same time. You could not, you know, you don't want to ruin your career, but also you don't want to support someone who's a trash person. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, artists doing that is the new way of removing these types of people from the process. Right. Now, what do you think when it comes to that? I mean, I uh. Yeah. <laughs> what do you so hold on? When me, it comes to what? Let me rephrase. Get, it. Yeah, get a little me, more let me, specific. Let me get a little here. more specific with you. Okay, Matt. Um <laughs> <laughs> let's say okay, so when it comes to like a movie like that. Yeah. And let's say we find out that the the you know one of the producers behind the scenes. Now, a producer is the guy who or the girl who comes in and actively puts up the money or finds funding for the film. And Brent Ratner is an example of that. Puts the film there. I mean, they they have a significant amount of direction in how this goes mm-hmm. from behind the scenes. Uh, do you feel that someone who people might never heard the name Brent Ratner ever? I had. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. And <laughs> that's why I needed a better example. <laughs> yeah. Or let's take. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a way to put this. Uh, I let's say let's say some type saying. of music producer yeah. was a horrible person, and the artist worked with them. Do you think at that point it says you know produced by this person, the artist is that? Do you think that the production or people behind the production should be should you discount the art because of that, or more so, or, or should it be viewed differently? What do you think? I, was, I don't think you you can't help but view it differently once you come to know that. No, but do you should you view it differently in the sense of like instead of trying to cancel it? Should you just accept it but view it differently? Just like be mindful that they're a bad person. Yes, still, that the person's producing that, it. I mean, again, for me, it would depend on like what they actually did, how bad it was, how I reconcile that with my own morals. Okay, gotcha. But uh, for most, not even I shouldn't say most, but just for like a random, many, exa- like let's many say it, cases, there's a producer on a movie, you know, mu- music movie, whatever okay. producer who's bad, but the artist I like is good. Uh, like I'll still keep listening to that music. Okay, I mean the thing is like you. I mean, even, uh, like, the thing is like, would you, that, would you would you would you still continue to, to let's say the artist like that album? Would well, I not that necessarily the album? Let's say the artist continues to work with the same producer with the same producer. That so if you can kind of see where like they're running in the same circles, like this abuse, and that tends to happen. This yeah. abuser backs with this abuser, and yes. the, you know the same circles because that they're the only ones who will. Hang with them anymore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's kind of um, yeah. If like you see that going on. Okay, so so you would you would make a distinction. Again, at that it's, point. I I trust my moral judgments on. I'm sure you do. Each case, of course. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. I mean, I guess um, for me, it depends primarily on how much the producer has an influence right. on the artistic expression. So, like, for instance, let's take a producer who makes beats mm-hmm. for a rapper. And let's say the rapper is, the you know, the rapper is the primary thing coming into, into view here. Um, but, you know, a huge, I would say 50-50, you know, derangement here is, you know, the beat really makes the song in a way. Um, now, if the person making the beat and you hear, you know, their name before every song, so- you know, okay. and you know what I mean? And, you know, they have their call signs before every song and you know who they are and you know what they do. Thinking about this, music would be different than like probably other okay. forms of art for See, that's me. what I want to see. Which you, yeah, that's what I want. slabs, I'm probably down with that. Okay. See, but, the, <laughs> so, okay, but even even if you heard their name before every – how some, art, some producers do that. And let's say the person was a piece of crap 
horrible human being that you would you know i'm trying to think of music i still like really like where i know that i'm having trouble <laughs> like okay so my you could say michael jackson okay, okay. yeah that's an example i yeah. really love his music yeah and i can also see based on what we all know about his childhood i can see how he could develop into a human that would do something like that. I can, okay. you know, I'm not fully empathize with him, but, but like see, a little bit. Like you I, understand more of the he piece had of the a puzzle. Terrible childhood growing up. It's I can see it's how he wanted to, you know, like Neverland recreate it. The kid thing, like sexually, yeah. psychologically, I yeah. can see. Yeah, you see, you see. The, so it's like I can. The monster. more, the more I can know about the actual individual artist see, and explain is, away mm. their deficiencies. See, the thing is, like, you can't. I don't think you can ex- explain but away. Yeah, anything. no, like I didn't know Michael Jackson. Nobody did. Here, I, yeah. He probably abused children. Yes. Which is terrible. Horrible, yeah. Now, so, like, I definitely, I don't, course. like, put Can, on his music that often anymore, or because, I did way so, in the past, but, like, so that affected, if I'm in the mood to hear Man on the Mirror, or Man in the Mirror, I'm going to put it on and listen to it once or twice every now and then. Okay. And I think, I think that's, I see the thing, I would have the same, you know, same type of sentiment there in a lot of ways that, you know, I, Michael Jackson was something that I've been listening to my whole life. Right. And, Yes, I know. Number one, he's he's dead, so that makes it much easier for me to, to Sit, listen to uh, to listen to the music. Um, yeah. If he was still alive, getting money from it, and actively, you know, living his life out and, and possibly doing these types of things to other people, yeah. then I would, you know, really cut you know cut it off. And I think that has, I think there is something to say about somebody being alive versus yeah, I mean, somebody the being money dead. now is going to his estate to his estate. Maybe supporting his kids. Or it, something I, like I that. do you think know, it's primarily. Family, I think it's. Sure. I think it's primarily going towards right. his kids. Which is that's now, good. Well, the thing is, what is it? That's uh, that's a question I have. I would like think. Is but that maybe if we get into this a little bit, I'll well, change my mind. Well, that's what <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm <laughs> trying to do. Is do you think that? So how? So the thing is, the artist is a horrible person. Yeah. Right. Let's 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 just say that is the case. Mm-hmm. Now, are the sins. Of the father or mother, the sins of the son or daughter? No. I, I don't think so. I would never make that argument personally. Um, now, should should people be able to um, – should should the families of these artists who are terrible people get the money? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time coming to terms with that. I, I do think it, I, I do think a portion portion of it should go towards victims. Yeah. Um, well, have the victims not settled in courts? Well, the, I'm saying so well, they don't need line. they don't need money from the so state. In the, in the if particular the courts have settled. In the particular though. case of Michael Jackson, that is true. So if they settled, then legally they can't. You know, yeah, like go after more. True, legally they can't. But I'm, I'm just saying from a moral standpoint. But I mean, they could like they they, they could the, the kids yeah. could say like, hey, we want to set up a victim fund with all this money. They could. They don't. They haven't. Well, the yet. thing is, well, the, well, the thing is, like, I I, I find it much harder. To believe well, they've got enough that, money, yeah, I'm sure they do, of course. But I find it much harder to believe that you know the you know the kids of any particular artist that does something terrible mm-hmm. would do something like that. Now, for Michael Jackson, for you, mm-hmm. how do you view that in terms of his music and you know listening to it, and then like today listening to it? Like, so, truthfully, I uh, Michael Jackson wasn't somebody that I, I listened to a lot as a kid. I know my brothers, uh, my whole family really loves him, but. I don't know enough about whether he was actually convicted or their allegations. That's true. And so with the yeah. gray area, yeah. you really can't be sure. Right. I see what you're saying. Um, but, you know, the thing is, I with that in mind, even, it still makes it difficult to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I do think if, if you get that kind of ew feeling, you know, you feel dirty after. It's a visceral, yeah. you know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's just not, that's not like how art should be. Right. You shouldn't be responding that way to art ever. Yeah. 
you know, even even art that is grotesque in in, in even you don't even go ooh that way. Yeah. And I get like thinking about Man in the Mirror, for example. Yeah. Like, it depends on how the listener chooses okay, see, to view it. Now, do you do you mm. look at Man in the Mirror and take it as like an inspiring song to go out in the world and do good? Or do you see it as a hypocritical see, pop star singing about stuff that he has no business talking about? See, now this kind of goes into um, an important thing. A lot of artists, not all, but a lot, put themselves in their art. Right. And they will – whether it's through a, a painting, whether it's through um, music – whether it's, you know, like Woody Allen styling all his characters after himself. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That's, that's actually really that's a funny point because I'm, I'm going to bring up Woody Allen in a little bit. I figured you would. Yeah. Um, do you feel that um, there is there is a particular way to um, – so let's say you, you have – an artist, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say you have an understanding of what they did, a full understanding. Right. Now, my argument is that with more knowledge comes a more accurate way, a more objective way of defining what to, you know, cancel in terms of your own self right. and what to accept and bring in. So I, I will make the argument that, you know, no, with more knowledge comes you know the a better ability to uh, break this stuff down, but I do think with more knowledge also comes um, a negative effect. So, mm-hmm. for instance, um, some artists d- don't want them themselves to be anything to do with their art, right? Purposely, like you mentioned, you know, some techno yeah. artists. Um, the fact that their art is now connected to them as a personal person kind of makes them feel angry in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes them, you know, it makes it would probably make them feel um it was con- you know counterintuitive to what they were trying to approach mm-hmm. their approach. It's not about me, it's about the music and you know, I'm just here as a participant. Right. Uh, or it's not just me, it's the it's the film and that's just me as a participant. Participant. Um so I I will say that um it's it's harder it's harder for me to kind of break this down in a way that I feel because to me, it just gets down to people saying, well, you know, I like – like you said, I like this person. Therefore, I'm going to – You make those concessions. You make the concessions. But do you feel like with more knowledge can come a more objective view or do you feel like with more knowledge comes a more way – a better way? I mean you, you start coming up with ways of defending a person. Um, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That? Well, that's just like like if I had only heard – like let's say I was born yesterday and somebody <laughs> told me that Michael Jackson was an abuser and just bad, don't listen to him, and that's all I knew about him, I would say like, yeah, okay, that's pretty sound. Like that makes sense. But then mm-hmm. you learn about his childhood. You learn about – and it, it does bring like a certain level of empathy. You can empathize with the artist if they've done something bad. But also that's like a slippery slope because yes. it's like it's how far you want to draw the line. Okay, so so you're saying the the line drawing balancing is balancing like the art and it's a balancing act. See, so you're saying that uh, for me, for, okay, for you that the I, line is subjective. It isn't like, objective. I do. I would take it on a case by case basis, but I also agree that like the <clears throat> taking it as like an absolute, you know, like you cannot separate the art from the artist. If it's bad, it's bad. That's a valid way to look at it. Like, yeah, I'm but not, do, for sure. But do you feel like the artist so? Um, you, like you said about Man in the Mirror, how it could be seen as hi- hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Now, do you feel that um, 
I guess let me see how I can put this in a way. Do you feel that uh hmm let's say that we had like you said no knowledge of Michael Jackson's particular prior history mm-hmm. or any of this stuff and you listen to one of his songs and then right after you were told mm-hmm. about everything. Now, do you think that it would change the way you enjoyed the art? See, that's my question is like some people, they didn't know this stuff and they grew up listening to Michael Jackson or listen or grew up listening to a particular artist and then they found this information out mm-hmm. and then the art becomes – you know, it's, it comes up in the air in a way. Right. It's like, well, how do I view this? How do I take this in? Mm-hmm. So what, how do you, what do you think about that? Um, so I think there, there have been times where finding out stuff about the artist has just absolutely tainted the experience. Mm. Um, Rosemary's Baby is one of my yeah. favorite films mm. of yeah. all time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. taking into account who Roman Polanski was and yeah, things and the, he did. And yeah, I agree with you. 100%. That's super important. Wow. I didn't because that yeah that movie is so that movie is a really you know good movie in, in a genre truly but also think about the pianist and you know and right. that movie I mean that movie is a fantastic film Adrian Brody won a uh, Oscar for it right um, we saw that in school um, yeah. <laughs> it was a it was, in high school we saw that movie it was a really emotional wonderful um, telling I mean it was uh, from all you know. If you remove the director, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic movie. Right. But then you take into effect of who Polanski is as a human being mm-hmm. and what he's accused of. Um, and you you tend to look at his art in, in a way that's like he's still around. Yeah. I don't know if I can wa- – I don't know if I can buy that movie and say I feel comfortable <clears throat> having it. And the same thing with Rosemary's Baby. With that one in particular, actually, the, it's already – the most emotionally evocative horror film I have personally yeah. experienced. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's about a powerless woman and yes. a, a world driven by men entirely. Yes, and she has no autonomy. And exactly. I find that to be terrifying. Terrifying, terrifying. Um, and then when you take into account um, who, Roman Polanski, it makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it makes it even more maybe, fer- terrifying. Yeah, so just two added elements to make it an inherently sinister movie. Yeah. And uh, I, I love it, but also I do kind of get that ew feeling at the same time. Which, yeah. I don't know. I, dissociating the two is it, almost kind of impossible for, yeah. for these types of things. Now, we just had uh, my buddy August coming in. How are you doing, August? Hey, doing great. Hey, guys. What's up? Chilling, chilling, chilling. <laughs> happy Our, to be here. Happy to have you here. Now, we were just talking about particular artists and um, can you separate you know, art, the art from the artist? And we were just mentioning um, one of the examples we had was Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, I know. I know you're, I know I know you're a huge Michael Jackson fan. I know – I mean, one of the biggest Michael Jackson fans I know. And I think, you know, having you here today and giving your perspective on this, I think it's going to be really enriching for someone that had Michael Jackson in and around their life their whole life. I mean, for probably from like day one, you've been listening to that. Um, so as someone who grew up on his music, right, and that, you know, listened to his music from you know small childhood up till, up till now, do you find it harder to listen to his music knowing, you know, or hearing these allegations out there? You know, uh, I can't listen to him anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, I never thought it would. Uh, I never thought it would be that way. Um, but I can't listen to him anymore. I used to love Michael Jackson. I was thinking about some of my influences in life. Yeah, and uh, I was like, you know, I ha- I have to write down Michael. Of course, yeah, you know, it's really I have important. To, but I but I put an asterisk. Yeah, he used to. You know, yeah. he used to be uh, um, such a big influence. 
And you say, you know, August, you talk about how he was one of my childhood heroes and he kind of was. But the thing is, I mean, it's bigger than just me. It's really not just the black community, but a lot of people. People. Just the world. I was talking to uh, Jess about it and Jess was talking about how she's like, people need to go to counseling about it. And it's it's true true because it's like, how do you deal with the fact that, you know, you you love his music, you've almost – I mean, I grew up with his music, yeah. but now it's like with all the stuff it's done, he's done. I mean, and like it's kind of evident. It's to me. Evan- yeah, and the thing is, like we were mentioning that you know uh, having someone being around and listening to their music while you know they could say he was alive today. I think there is a distinction you can make between someone being dead and then listening to their stuff, and someone being alive and then supporting them actively. I do think there's an active participant element that. A lot of people are not taking into effect here. Now, do you think that him being gone makes it makes the argument easier to listen to his music now that he's gone? Or do you find that the argument to listen to his music still sta- – not to listen to his music still stands in the sense that um, you just cannot s- listen to his music and think about him? Or you start th- – as soon as sure. you listen to his music, you think about him. Sure. I mean I think it was the uh, two most recent accusers. I think they yes. accused him – a while ago, but yes. they just came back from for a documentary. Yes. Yeah, and as I was reading a couple articles on the New York Times about yes. it, and it was I was just like, you know, whether he did it or not, the fact that it's this bad, something happens. Yes, you yes. know. So yes. I just kind of had to just move past it, was, and it was hard for me. I cried when he, when he passed. I cried. Yeah, I ran Millions, on the beach. Mil- yeah, I remember that. I, I remember running, that story. I was you running me. for miles. I'm just running, <laughs> crying. I could not handle. You know, I couldn't handle it. So yeah, I mean, this is coming from you know a diehard. Michael Jackson fan, you know, I I dress up in the thriller costume. I did the dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, I know, it, it, I know. it was so much fun, and uh, and you know, he was a great he was a great influence on me. But at this point, it's like you know, I, I kind of let you have move to past and move past. You kind of have to yeah. let that go. Yeah. Now the thing is, like, you will not. The thing is, now here's another question: Can you you admitted that? But can you also say that his music is good just in terms of talent wise? Like remove, it, re- remove, remove sure, the person sure. element. I mean, if talk you're talking of objective music, it is good music. Okay, talent. If you're was. talking of objective music, okay. If you're just measuring, yeah, just, even from a dancing perspective, sure. look at that influence. Well, he, well, see, that's such an important thing for culturally wise because the cultural influence that he did through dancing, and you know, can you appreciate his dance moves? See, I think. See, the thing is, like, that's that's a very that's a good that's a good question, and I think you can. I would at least me. I mean, the way I look at it personally is, I can appreciate his dance moves, and I can appreciate, um, you know, a lot. I mean, the thing is, like Quincy Jones, who's been a director for, I mean, a producer for years, has been accused of a lot of different things as well. Right. So, I mean, there's there's millions of albums that Quincy <laughs> Jones has produced. So, like, how do you how do you take that how do you take that into effect? Now, um, one of the examples I wanted to bring up um, now that everybody's here. Is uh, the Cosby Show? Um, yes. See, and you know, one thing I I, I want to you know start off by saying is that I, I do think you know Bill Cosby is a monster and a horrible individual. But you know, growing up, the Cosby Show was always on the TV, mm-hmm. right? It was always around, and it sh- and the thing about the Cosby Show that I I want to get out today and, and make it make a make a statement is the Cosby Show was one of the first you know, implements in American culture that showed a unified, strong black family. And 
the, and you know, prior to that, through the media, there was many different characterizations of the black family, and I would make the argument that they were showing a very small minority of you know the black family through art and through music and through history, whether it's through TV, whether it's through movies, and that the Cosby Show had a really strong, significant cultural effect. Mm-hmm. It showed uh, a black family with a black man who's a doctor, who's a professional. You know, it, it, it made people look at black people in a different light. Right. Now, I can't deny that the, that show had such a foundational effect on a lot of the way people view one another. Right. And, you know, you know, people who might have been racist or grew up in a racist environment and saw the Cosby show and realized that they're a family just like mine, mm-hmm. you know, can really switch, you know, up a person's upbringing I mean, stuff right. like that. Is foundational. So I, I can sit here and say that, you know, I was a huge Cosby Show fan. I, I watched it, uh, you know, big parts of my childhood. But I can tell you today, I can't really watch a lot of the, you know, or pretty much any of the Cosby Show right, right okay. now because I, it is called The Cosby Show. Yeah. yeah. So you know, he's Dr. Huxtable. He's uh, still, you know, Cosby. this is going to get into like th- how do you weigh the cultural or whatever significance of the art versus what the person did, right? So mm. Cosby Show reached millions of people. Yeah, had a large influence. Huge. What he did was terrible, horrible. You could take like a counterexample of like a small YouTube series mm. where where the creator's like a douche, you know? Yeah. And say like, oh well, he's bad, but the series doesn't have as much of a See, impact on a, as on a, as big of a scale, I should say. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But it could still, sorry, it could still influence, like, some people might have loved that miniseries on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't know he was a bad guy until after they had watched the whole thing. Yeah. It had a real profound direction on, like, their art style or something like that. Yeah, and that wasn't the case for many people who watched the Cosby show growing up. So it's, is the Cosby show good just because it had a profound effect or is the YouTube miniseries good because it had an effect on a single person that was profound? Well, the individual the individual is, I mean, you know how I am. I view things from an individualistic standpoint. So obviously the individual having, you know, having an experience with a piece of art is uh, the most important thing I would say because, you know, the individual makes the ultimate decision at the end of the day. Culture influences individuals, right. but individuals make the ultimate decision. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about cultural relevance, though, when you talk about you know uh, paradigm shifters, I, I don't think you can deny that with the Cosby Show. Right. But with a YouTube series, paradigm shifters for a large mass versus paradigm shifters for an individual. What which is more important? Um, I would say that they're, mm. they're Cosby Show being the large mass, YouTube miniseries being the individual. You know, not even mm. just the Cosby Show, but um, Dave Chappelle has a really good point yeah. uh, in one of his most recent Netflix series. <laughs> yeah. But he um, sort of has this bit about a superhero mm. who gets his power from raping individuals. Yes. And yeah, he, he ultimately that ties that oh in. My God. Who, who? Dave, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle. He made that joke. But what he ties it into is that Bill Cosby did vile things. But he also, I don't know if you guys knew this, he was the one who bought the microphone and speaker technology for Martin Luther King for his most famous speech. So oh. that's extremely you influential. Build it? Uh, he did, yes. Wow. So that, That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So totally. You, so A lot of dynamics. Thousands, you ultimately save thousands of people or you help thousands yeah. of people. But you you Millions. have hurt others. Yeah, so. and hurt hundreds. It's the thing. This is like – this kind of goes into like um, – what I said earlier about human nature that people can be – people can do wonderful, great things and also be, be horrible people at the same time. Mm-hmm. People can be artists. People can be influencers. 
but you know behind the scenes they just in you know their their face their their public face is this you know gentle philanthropist and all this other stuff but they have this right. you know monster you know this monstrous behavior now i mean with real quick with bill i didn't want to believe it with bill either it was yeah. hard for me <laughs> i was like no not bill well everybody who grew up on the cosby show had that had that initial like Visceral reaction, yeah. like we heard one thing, you're like, "Wait, what? Yeah, no, America's no. dad? Because yeah. he was America's dad, yeah. and for a black man to be America's dad, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Like people, people don't. I know. People don't. You realize don't want to believe it. Well, the thing yeah. because of that, I and the thing it. is, like, that's where I, that's why I think separating what he did in terms of, you know, the influence the Cosby Show had, <laughs> the influence mm. he had on the civil rights movement, like we we're just talking about earlier today. I think it's it's I think it's really important to be able to say that so think of this think of it this way a person who works on an iOS update okay let's say he works on an iOS update and then he produces an update that is amazing it helps everybody out mm-hmm. it's really wonderful really good now let's say they find out that this person is a rapist or a murderer now should the person be fired and never have an opportunity in the in that type of world again. I mean, they should probably go to jail. Well, hold on, I'm, I'm getting there. Sure. Should, should that be should that should sure. that be one of the things that happens to them? Sure. Should they be going to jail probably for the rest of their life? Yeah, sure. Um, but you know, should everybody now not use the iOS update that they created that they that they worked on or created because of those things? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, that's you know. Yeah. I'm looking at it. See, I mean, I coming coming from a technology aspect, thousands of people work on an update, but of the person who implements the update and puts it together, you know, there is a main you know, there's a main you know individual there that that does that. Um, and now let's say that main individual is what I'm saying they are. Should people just you know uninstall that update and you know wait till the next one comes out? Right. I, I don't think that is a viable way of living. Right. I don't think that I don't think you can just do that all the time. And now so another another individual I would like to bring up is um, we went to the moon, right? And mm-hmm. we had a lot of wonderful things through NASA and a lot of rocket technology. But we're in a Werner von Braun was the guy who ran NASA, and we we grabbed him. He was a Nazi scientist who made the V two rocket. Um, we grabbed him in Operation Paperclip and brought him to America and brought a bunch of other Nazi scientists here. To, to make – to have us go to the moon and sort of the, sort of the communists. The communists grabbed the other half of mm-hmm. scientists. You're saying we took a couple of their scientists Not a couple. We took we, we, we took NASA. A, yeah. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and, you know, Wormer von Braun, you know, he would hang the slowest working person at, on, on, and, while he was in Nazi Germany. And this guy was touted – Dude. Like in the science labs? <laughs> no, outside where, where they were testing everything, dude. Like wow. he, they were testing everything. Yeah, he would hang people, have people hung because of that. Mm-hmm. Like, not, I mean, he was a scientist. Don't get me wrong, but he was also a horrible human being. Right. But the thing is, we brought him over here, and because he's our guy now, and you know, all this technology that we're currently using is you know founded founded on a lot of this guy's stuff. Mm-hmm. Now the thing is, like, should we get rid of rockets? I don't think that's – I don't think that's – I don't think anybody's calling for that. Right. But I, I do think, you know, that it, that could be a way of looking at it. I'm not saying that's, you know, not necessarily valid. If somebody does – I mean I'm making, the, you know, a ridiculous argument here and I know I am. But what I'm trying to say is there is so much that people get involved in that might have a hand – there might be a hand involved in something mm-hmm. that might be evil. 
And, you know, just because, you know, an evil person's hand is involved in something, does that mean we should completely throw it away or should we have it and then, you know, also say, but by the way, this was created by a Nazi, you know, or something like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm about taking the good and leaving the bad, you know, so I feel like if it's something that's positive, that's helping people, you know, I don't think anything's wrong with using that to advance um, humanity, but mm, okay. also you need to be real and tell the truth if right. it was created by someone who did something bad. Yeah. Actually, I think that should... that can kind of so, tie into like the deification of mm, different celebrities yeah. Yeah. or people of notoriety. Yep. What do you mean by that? Um, so we, we have a tendency to put people on a pedestal and when they, we find out that they're human and that they've <laughs> done something horrible, like, you know, people act like it's a great shock, but really that comes from the issue of deifying them in the first place like mm, we, yeah. we have to recognize that most humans have a base level of vileness that's yeah. always present i yeah so i would i would i would tend to agree with that with that uh, f- phrasing now matt you were trying uh to make a statement or something were you i had something to say about the last point but i slipped my mind already oh okay, oh. okay. was it about bill or no no okay, okay gotcha I, there's something i have to say about bill okay yeah. please so um believe it or not you know, I was telling you guys how I didn't want to believe it with Bill, but believe it or not, 10 to 15 years ago, no, probably 8 to 10 years ago, I'm caddying as a little kid for, I believe, an NBC producer, a lady. Wow. She was really nice, and she told me about Bill. She said, you know, I was on the set, I worked with Bill, oh and God. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, that's awesome. I love Bill. And yeah. she told me point blank he was a womanizer. Whoa. She, yeah. she was, Whoa. she told me like, you know, he was really good about making sure that uh, there was like a all, you know, black crew helping everyone and a lot of black employees just, you know, to yeah. help with the quality Maybe, and everything. Yeah, yeah. But right. she said, unfortunately, he absolutely was a womanizer wow. to even her. So even you, wow, wow. So this so is this like is before, a while, this is a while ago. Before, this is a yeah, long any time of that ago. stuff. I'm a, I'm a young kid. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> with the, all this stuff happening with Bill, I'm like, wait a minute. He starts yeah. going back I heard in that head. before. See, that, that's actually kind of a crazy thing. Wow. See, and the thing is like what you just, what she just said there, he had an all black crew, a cast, you know, yep. trying to help the community yep. out. So there's like, he was trying. And in the same sentence, he's also a womanizer. Yep. <laughs> yeah. See, like, Unfortunately. Yeah. And that's the thing about a lot of these individuals. They do amazing, great stuff. Artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we talk about um, the effect of the you – know, you mentioned the deification of, of celebrities and artists. Look at, you know, sports figures and look how right. they're put up to a pedestal. I mean, look at, you know, somebody like uh, Ben Roethlisberger who is, yeah. you know, a – uh, piece of human filth, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so Ray Lewis killed a guy. Well, yeah, right. And then you know, but the thing is, like these people are are all celebrated and given championship <laughs> trophies and touted about. I mean, and and kids look up to these people, right. and that's the problem I have. It's like a lot of these people, and I, I see there is a social responsibility to being a public figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there is, and I, I think if you're going to be a public figure. You have to expect people to look at you in a certain way. And do you think that it's impossible for public figures, whether they're artists or whatever, do you feel like it's impossible for them not to be deified? What do you think about um, Well, yeah. If, if people were just more realistic in how they, they would analyze different mm-hmm. situations and different human beings, like I just think to begin with, people don't want to do the work of being honest with themselves, of fighting that cognitive dissonance, of fighting that okay. bias that they that's, have. That's a very good point, yeah. So it's it's more so – so you would make the argument that 
it takes an active participant, mm-hmm. not only in you know taking the art in, but realizing that you know who's the person you know behind the scenes out here, right. and you know how are they actively affecting or you know influencing this art through their own lens. Right. Okay. Um, I guess another individual was uh, Picasso mm-hmm. that I wanted to bring up. What did you know, he do? Well, um, for, for first, I mean, he was. I mean, if you read stories of accounts, I know of his, he painted stuff. <laughs> if you read from accounts of his family, uh, they they his his granddaughter came out and wrote an article mm-hmm. um, talking about how horrible uh, and how much of a narcissist his their grandfather was, right. and he needed to sign all his paintings in blood. And he would like request his family members to give mm-hmm. blood to them so he could sign the paintings. Brutal. Wait, what do you wait? What do you mean? I mean what I just said. Pablo <laughs> Picasso was a narcissist. Wait, he said I need to I need to sign this in my own blood. He did. He signed many of his paintings in but, his blood. And mm-hmm. if he didn't have enough blood, he would go not to enough like, blood. His no, no, not enough blood. He would go to people that loved him. Particularly, he's like, I want people that love me. Uh, he, I mean, I mean, he made he made he wants a, their yeah. blood. Yeah, uh. to use to sign. It's a very what the heck? Yeah. yeah, I'm having a tough time conceptualizing. <laughs> See, that's wild. It is wild, and that tells you. I mean, the thing is, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, he might have had. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's a power trip right there. Uh-huh. That's I mean, the ultimate yeah. power trip. It's like I need your blood. It's like, wait, what? It's like, what are you talking? Yeah. Definitely mean, had see, some issues. You see the pictures of him at like you know ninety, like wearing a diaper outside. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying. I don't mean to put him on blast. No, it's okay. blast. I'm sure he won't care. <laughs> no, but oh my gosh! Yeah. In, in terms, I mean, he was also um, a misogynist, from what I've heard, right? And uh, not very good to a lot of his subjects. Right. But you know, that's that's a very well known. I mean, Van Gogh was also apparently a dick yeah. to his subjects. So and was, was uh, Warhol. You know? Oh yeah. So it's, it's just kind of. I think with enough talent and skill, people get a sense of entitlement. Mm. Because Okay, that's know. a really good that's a really good point here. They think they're untouchable almost. Wow. Okay, so do you feel like the more people so this kind of goes I would say this kind of goes into your deification point. Mm-hmm. So the more people are deified, the more people like view these people as above themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you think then that in turn gets the artist to have this inflated ego oh, for sure. to where they think that they can just do anything they want that they yeah. deserve to be deified. Okay, right. so yeah, it it puts this okay, that's see this this kind of gets into, um, no, but I, see there point. are like like Kanye West, an artist who obviously loves it, right? Yeah, <laughs> but th- there are plenty he of like God, like Count Jeff Daniels is an actor who has a super private life up in Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but you know he's there, I'm sure there are Jeff Daniels super fans that glorify the heck out of him. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But like take take a take another. But he doesn't invite it. Well, true, he doesn't. But take yeah. a person like Keanu Reeves. Right, mm-hmm. he hates when people give him compliments. Yeah, Have you ever yeah. watched an interview with him? Yeah, it's like you're a fantastic performer. He's like, I'm okay. You know, I'm like, he's very <laughs> humble, <laughs> super humble about it. But people, he is the internet. He's like, he's an internet meme. I mean, right. he's become like the most wholesome internet meme you can possibly. Yeah. There's ever a Keanu Reeves scandal, I would be. Oh my god! Yeah. See, but the, is, see, but the thing is, see, but the thing is, like, though. the more information you get about Keanu, the more you tend to look at him like a good human being. Right. And so, like, this more information thing goes both ways. And yeah. it really depends on the artist. If the well, artist is a good that, person, so like, you learn about them, you tend to deify them more. My whole life learning about Keanu Reeves has been nothing but good, right? Yeah. But if something came out, does he? Oh, he did something bad. Yeah, yeah. like I, his Very movies nice. go down the list for yeah. me. Yeah. Oh well, see, yeah. Okay, so then but, what happened? Yeah. But 
Uh, see, like using Woody Allen as an example, this yeah, is good for me because I have never seen a single Woody Allen you movie. Okay, mm-hmm. I heard about all the stuff he did before uh-huh. I had ever watched one, and I haven't. Yeah. I won't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just don't need to see that. That sounds like a bad time. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but at, I mean, like, Zombieland was good, <laughs> but I can't. I mean, can't condone that, dude. I can't believe he did it. <sighs> well, did he get convicted? Um, probably not. Alan? Yeah, of, I thought. Dude, he like married have. his daughter or something. Um, I'm pretty sure he did. He did. Yeah, uh, he yeah. Like married his, his adopted, daughter. His adop- but also, he was accused of, of sexual harassment as, as well. Like yeah. reading dude. about that, but too, I don't think though, he did it. Like the, the counterpoint to that is the daughter. <laughs> the daughter being a mouthpiece okay. for the mother is something I've heard. Okay, so, so it's like whose version of it can you trust? What are their motives right. behind saying what they did? Hmm. Okay. I see what you're saying. Now, let me see. Should we talk about, you know, is there a middle ground for disciplining, you know, artists? Like should punishment be accorded, on, you know, on a case-by-case basis? If so, what criteria do you think? Should we evaluate? How should we evaluate these things? I mean, I think we just need to hold people accountable. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's the first thing. But like in terms of like what should be happening to them. So like take R. Kelly right now. If you, mm-hmm. Yeah. If you do something bad, you get in trouble. In trouble. Yeah. hundred percent. No. And the thing is he dodged his, his stuff for years. This guy has been dodging his stuff for years. And now it looks like he's going to be going to jail. Knock on wood. And I mean it's, and, ki- it's kind of with the Me Too movement I feel yes. like. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of people are speaking up. There's you know a more so. there's a, mm-hmm. a more of an empowerment with women. I feel like yes. um, people are bringing things to light that haven't been brought to light in a while, which is almost unbelievable. Or really stamped out or not even, even, not even been able to brought to light because other people are trying to shut it down. I mean, with Epstein even today committing <laughs> suicide. Uh, yeah. And if you want to kind of go well, into a conspiracy here we go. Here we tip, go. <laughs> I, I have to bring it up. Okay, bring it up then. Go ahead. I mean, because I feel like, I don't know if that was an inside job, but I was I reading some conspiracies about how. Sure. I mean, he was on suicide watch when it happened. But you like, guys, yeah. see, but the how, thing is, how did they not catch that? See, but there the, but the there thing, are see, two different kinds of suicide watch. You have one where they just check on you, and there's another kind where you're just 100% supervised, and I don't know which one. No, but, but how was he not 100% supervised? He tried to take no, his hold life hold already. Hold on, hold on. There's, there's something called, I, I read about it this morning. It's called. Um, Inmate companion training, which is done by a fellow inmate. Hmm. So a fellow inmate gets to is the one who comes and, and goes to the police. That's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And most fellow inmates want to see him die. <laughs> so that's what that really doesn't make say, any no. sense. That's so, why that's, that's, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. That's why the, I mean, does, does the does the does the does our justice system make any sense? Ju- no. Ooh. So I, then, so of course this won't make sense. Jess was telling me about how I guess. When Epstein first got in trouble, instead of going to jail, they made his mansion a jail, so he got to stay home for some yeah. reason. And now, yeah. the, and yeah. I think the well, same thing happened to someone in Oakland County, a doctor. I think that's in the opioid crisis, or he got in trouble for it. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make his mansion a jail, and they're like, "No." Yeah, and, and thing, I think, and they have to look into why they let Epstein do that in the first place because that doesn't uh, make any sense. That's just he, well, money. This, this kind of yeah. goes into okay, so this kind of, I guess, like. Aside Epstein aside, I guess you can kind of say that people who have who are artists, individuals within um, 
public life, let's put it that way, the more money they have and the way our justice system is, they can, you know, get away and, you know, deal with people in a certain way and fashion that gets them off. And the fact is, you know, our justice system isn't about truth. It's about what you can prove. And the fact is that it's not truth based. It's not there's no it's not it's not about objective truths here. Mm-hmm. It's about who what can you prove? What can you disprove? And how can you de- which one you can defend better? Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that that's the way it is, you know, put, makes this makes, you know, putting these people, making them accountable makes it much harder. Mm-hmm. The fact that it, that it is that way. Now, if you had a justice system that was, let's put it this way, more more involved in trying to find the truth versus trying to decide who is arguing things better, mm-hmm. then I think a lot more of these, you know, disgusting individuals would be put away for life and, you know, treated in, a, in the way they should be treated, you know, as criminals. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, for artists that were um, – so I brought a couple a couple topics here. Eminem. Let's take Eminem for an example. Mm-hmm. So Eminem hasn't done anything to anybody that I know of in terms of allegations or anything. But if you, if you guys listen to the song Kim, yeah, okay. So let's talk about the song Kim. So in the song Kim, my mom didn't let me listen to him. What do you say? Yeah, I haven't either. I don't really like his music. I've stayed away from it after just hearing about the content of. I don't need to. It's yeah. not my kind of rap for sure. Now. A lot of the shock rap that was around that time did do a lot of that different types of stuff. Now, Kim is – so he was going through a divorce Mm -hmm. at the time and basically wrote a song about how he would kill his wife. Right. It's pretty much – I mean and it's really – but the thing is it's it's touted as one of his greatest songs. Yeah. People look at it as one of his greatest songs and, you know, and the thing is like this gets into a topic of – you know, obviously he didn't do anything to his wife in terms of physically and, anything to her. And but. I do not agree with what he said at all. However, yeah. it is important to acknowledge that he was a forefather as far as fighting the FCC, yeah. the freedom of speech, all I agree. That. I agree with yeah. that for sure. Without Eminem, I can't even imagine how music Rap would, would be, be censored. Care. Well, the thing is like the same thing happened. John Denver for Two Life Crew. You know, John, I'm a huge fan of John Denver. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite country musicians, folk country. John Denver spoke to Congress in, in, in support of Two Life Crew because Two Life Crew was getting harassed by Congress for their, for their lyrics. And John oh, Denver yeah. came out and oh, so yeah. did Dee Snyder. store owners are getting tossed out. Tossed They're out. trying to close down shops. Yeah. So the thing is like I don't see – the thing is like a lot of artists put a lot of things out there primarily for a shock angle. Take Alice Cooper. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, Alice Cooper going all, you know uh, – And Satan, sometimes they stuff. just have a couple of different tracks and that's the one that hits. So they're like why not – I think with Two Live Crew, they had a, diff- a couple of different songs, and their one raunchy song blew up, and they said, okay, it's time to you know well, kind of go this route. That's kind of how government is. It's extremely reactionary. I mean, you know, yeah. anytime, sure. anytime they see something that they can, you know, oh, we need to socially uh, construct this, you know, it's like, well, let's, <laughs> let's construct it a little bit. Yeah. So I see, that, I see that, that point. But back to Eminem. That song is extremely misogynistic. Yeah. It's violent. It's... Um, it makes me feel extremely uncomfortable when I listen to it, mm-hmm. um, but it is it is a I, I would make an argument that it is it is an it is a piece of art. Right. Is it is it a piece of art that I listen to? No. Is it a piece of art that I would um, tell other people about to listen to? No. Um, but it's something that I think musicians and other artists tend to do through their music. So take 
um, Immortal Techniques, Dance with the Devil. Mm -hmm. That's a rough one. <laughs> yes, that song is mm. horrifying. Um, but don't listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't listen to it. But you know, that song is viewed in terms of a storytelling. You know, rapper mm -hmm. like that's one of the songs I can yeah, tell people like, like okay. This is a really good storytelling song mm -hmm. from a rap perspective, but it's it's vile and horrible. Right. And I think, you know, is that speaking towards the in their environments that they grew up in? Is that speaking towards a greater social, you know, socio political economic situation? Right. I don't know. I mean, it depends on how you look at some of this stuff and how you try to parse it. But there are artists artists there that do put out, you know, pretty nasty, horrible stuff that is offensive to some people. So mm -hmm. take for instance the guy who did um uh, artwork on Metallica's albums Load and Reload. Mm -hmm. He created a piece of art called Piss Christ where he, he pissed in yeah. a like a jug and put a crucifix in it. Oh. Right? And that was a piece of art. I mean, that's kind of a cool idea. Well, yeah. see, the thing is like... <laughs> Not see, in like a disrespectful way. No, no, no. Way. I know what you're saying. It's like just the dissonance. Yeah. See, that's what the whole thing was. Yeah, But to a, to, a, to a wide amount of American people was, who yeah, saw that, sacrilege. You know, it's like... But yeah, the thing absolutely. is like... And the thing is like different groups get affected differently by different artists and what they put out there. Mm -hmm. So like an Alice Cooper affected the conservative crowd when he was out, but little did they know he was a born-again Christian. Mm. You know, and the same thing like take Slayer for instance, Right. Slayer, they're and I, I've been to many Slayer. I mean, I've been to like three Slayer shows in my life. Yeah, and Slayer's music is extremely vile, extremely um, violent, and it's talking about a lot of horrible stuff. But little do you know, the lead uh, the lead singer is like a like a really strong Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's really weird. It's really weird. But the thing is, like some genres of music and some genres of other you know types of art, whether it's you know literature or whether it's through other things. Purposely, I would say members purposely try to put push at things that cause people to feel a certain way. Right. Like their whole intention is to make you feel feel, you know, um, have a reactionary impulse. Right. So I don't know. Can can you look at those artists and then say that they should be? I guess not looked at in a, in a people shouldn't be celebrating them. So I, I mentioned Slayer. Should people not be selling celebrating Slayer because? Their uh, music can be viewed as um, vile, violent, and all this other uh, stuff. The, an example that's coming to my mind is like Marilyn Manson. Okay, right? I've seen Manson, yeah. <clears throat> right. And like just his look is just like so off putting right at the front. It's like that'll scare enough people away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't listened to him at all. I don't blame her, Doug. <laughs> But, I mean, he has fans that love him that claim yeah. to understand him, you know, yeah. to get him, that empathize with him. And, yeah. they, you know, they're supporting his music. But when you hear Marilyn Manson speak, so like, for instance, in the – He's pretty eloquent. Yeah, but in the documentary Bowling for Columbine, you know, people thought that, you know, his music influenced, influenced them, the right. Columbine shooters. Right. But, you know, in his, in his, you know, interview, it came out, you know, to be the complete opposite and that was not something he was well, pursuing uh, some, and promoting <clears throat> at all. It could be the case, though, that even if he wasn't, that the shooters took it that way when they took in the music. They're like, oh. Okay, this... see. Now this goes into interpretation. Yeah. yeah. Personal experiences. Personal experiences and how yeah. you apply your interpretations towards the piece of art. Yeah. Now, do you feel like people like Slayer, Marilyn Manson, do you feel like they should be included in this conversation of separating art from the artist um, in terms of like 
because some people will listen to a Slayer mm-hmm. and then imagine that these people are just Satanists. <laughs> but most, most of them, uh, all of them are either atheists or one, there's one Catholic. Do these people, right. like, does Marilyn Manson look that way because that's who he is he's in just, his core? Or does he look that way because it's an act and he's putting on a show and it's a character? Right, like, it might be well, kind of a gimmick. for Yeah, yeah I think a lot of these metal bands have been, since Alice Cooper, have been trying to emulate yeah. Alice Cooper and Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what they've been, they're just emulating, they're just, you know, building one up. Yeah. I mean, take Ghost. Ghost is just, you know, Ghost BC. Ghost is just emulating a lot of what earlier metal did. Take for, I mean, they're doing a lot of Kiss stuff right now. And I mean, now, I would not say fully, but in terms of having, you know, a group, you know, Kiss had the Kiss Army and all this other <laughs> stuff. They're kind of trying to produce the same type of environment. Um, but I, I would make the argument that there is some music out there um, that I've listened to in the past that you can clearly direct, you know, directly connected towards the individuals in the band right. committing violent acts. Mm-hmm. So there was a um, scan, and and this kind of goes there. This kind of tells you the type of people they are: a Scandinavian death metal band, mm-hmm. right? And their lead singer, uh, I believe, killed himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what the band ended up doing for their next album was taking the picture of the person who killed himself and using it as the album cover. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah right? Wow. Now, that, that, that is a real thing that actually happened, and people supported them and listened to their music. And these people are still around, right? Yeah. Now, the fact is, that's the most horrible thing I've ever heard, and that was real. I mean, it's not fake. I feel like the musician might have wanted that almost. Yeah. I mean, see, that, see, that's, that's super hardcore. Metal culture, yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so that kind of makes me think about punk music, like okay. glorifying drug use, people overdosing all over the place. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, like, there, I think there is, I mean, there is something to say about a lot of this, you know, different genres I, out there. Like horror <coughs> tends to have some of that, some of that stuff, you know, connected to it. For sure. In terms of, like, you're, are you glorifying, uh, you know, violence and death and, and there all is, this stuff? There is like, a difference between, like, most of the examples we've talked about have been like abusers, where it's you're directly harming someone else yes, other than you. But yes. in the case of like drug use, like, oh, this punk band does heroin and one of them died, like, or, it's not yeah. harming anyone or else. Pop to Molly, I'm sorry. Like directly, Ooh, you know, that's another, but. You know, like people will glorify that drug use because the lead singer of their favorite band did it. Like, oh, it's cool. And I guess that kind of yeah. goes into the social responsibility of artists. Right. Now, do you, do you think that artists should be having a social responsibility or do you think it's contextual based on what they're trying to produce? Um, I Well, it's kind of – I would say definitely contextual. But also like throughout all of this, ultimately, the main question that's begged is – does talent, does influence, mm. does skill preclude a vile nature? Ah, yeah. That's a, that's a great question. And can people change? Well, <laughs> see, the thing is like – see, that goes like so hmm, – that goes, kind of goes into I guess uh, – it's hard to admit that there's disgusting, horrible people out there yeah. that can produce fantastic works of art. Right. It's it's that's I think that's why a lot of people have cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. and tend to feel this visceral like ew gross feel out feeling yeah. when they think about some of these people. Um, now, let's take uh, an artist um, that uh, people probably don't really know anything about at all. Um, did produce art in 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 the past, and that's Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Right. Adolf Hitler was an artist before he was a mass genocidal murderer. <laughs> okay. But the fact is – He was painting? Oh, yeah. I mean multiple 
multiple amounts of paintings. Now, the the argument that, you know, uh, we've talked about Mm -hmm. is if you took that painting and showed it to someone and didn't tell them who it was and get the reaction and then right afterwards tell them, well, that's Hitler's painting. Right. What how, – how, how quickly would that reaction change? And see, that kind of goes into the heart of why I think this is important to talk about because somebody can view art and not know anything about it. But once they get the information, it, it, it causes this internal horrible – like, oh my god, I'm so anxious about the way I felt well, there. But so, so I, it depends on the individual that's like, you're that's telling the most, it to. That's the most horrible <laughs> case. You know, like, so like <laughs> if that individual was – a student of history, he would hear it's painted by Hitler, and that okay, would be, that would like add to it. Oh, Whereas see, if it's if it's like a normal person who's just hears Hitler, they're like, oh, that's bad. I don't like that painting anymore. Okay, so see. it depends on how the individual perceives it. So if somebody is, but like I a could historian. see it, I could see it going either way. Okay, so somebody is <clears> a student if you told of them history. that it's yeah, I, I see. Painting. Yeah, I, I see. The thing is like. And this is this is what it gets so hard to like an art historian would take that point of view, perhaps. Yeah, they definitely would. I think they definitely would. But the thing is, like, you know, art galleries and you know, art museums have done a pretty okay job with doing this stuff. So like, they'll have a picture of an artist and they'll have an asterisk with like, you know, mentioning right. something about the. <laughs> they will. They do. Yeah. In okay. many cases, they do. Now. I think that's a good way of doing it. Now, what other – Definitely a step in the right direction. I do. As far as acknowledgement, transparency. Yes. Now, um, I forgot the guy's name. If I'm not mistaken, Nicholas Nixon. Uh, yeah, Nicholas Nixon. The he He's a photographer and um, he's actually from Michigan. I went to U of M and all this other stuff. Very famous for taking a picture of his wife and her sister's. Since like the 70s, he takes the exact same picture of them. Mm-hmm. He was accused of lewd comments and sexual harassment, mm-hmm. right? And um, he had his art gallery – I mean his photograph, I mean, his photographs were put into an art gallery in Chicago right when this stuff came out. Mm-hmm. And they basically removed everything and he's like, I understand you would – he was very – you know, he's, he, didn't, he didn't argue anything or anything like that. He didn't make any case. But the fact is like can you look at his painting – can you look at his, uh, his pictures the same way? Now – is the paint? I mean, the pictures of you know his uh, his wife and all her sisters. It's a it's a it's a great, and he's done it every year for like forty years. Mm-hmm. And watching these you know strong women grow, and you know from it's just it's it's something that you don't really see very. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a very you know quote unquote positive you know um, art, positive form of artistic expression. Mm-hmm. But then you take this individual for who he is, right. and you kind of look at it and you're like, well, does that change the way I look at these photographs? And I would I would make the argument. So in, in so in some of the pictures that he's taken of his of his wife and her sisters, you just see his wife and his sisters, mm-hmm. okay. But sometimes you see his shadow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the pictures with his shadow, he's included in the he's included in the piece of artwork. Right. He's a part of it in a way. Like they're on a beach and he happens to be where the sun, you know, using the sun as a light source, yeah. and you see his shadow. It happens to a bunch of those pictures. Mm-hmm. Now the fact is, I could separate the art from the artist if it wasn't for that, you know. That, that keen sense that he is an element within this. So I can look at some of those pictures and be like, okay, I, I see, this is actually, I see what this is. But then I, you see his shadow and you're like, he's, he's a part of this. Right, you know, and you kind of can't remove him yeah. from, the, from that artwork. In the same way, you can't remove R. Kelly, who refers to himself literally as the Pied Piper of R&B. Mm-hmm. And for people out there who don't know what don't know the, the lore of the, or the, uh, the history of that term, the Pied Piper, that is a um, 
fairy tale character, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. who, you know, as uh, as retribution towards parents would steal their kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, because he wasn't paid, because he wasn't paid. Yeah, he admitted that. He, he called. Kelly called himself. He called himself. He's like yeah. the Papa Ron B. Yeah. He would do that every time. He was known as that. Like, dude, it was so on the nose, yeah. and that's why I can't listen to R. Kelly anymore right. because, like, that is who he is. I mean, him and his music are the same. They're one and the same. Mm-hmm. I can't. Li- I mean, the thing is, like, granted, you know, when Ignition Remix came out, it, did it bump? Okay, yeah, but like at the same time, I can't listen to those lyrics. And think of anything other than as a as a vile human being, and that's the problem. With that's why I you know I have I, I struggle with a lot of this stuff because you know different art you know art subcultures I would mm-hmm. say produce an environment that makes people question or um, I guess have doubt upon that particular art form. So you we mentioned uh, metal culture mm-hmm. quickly. And punk culture and let's say rap – hip-hop culture. Mm-hmm. I would make arguments that all of those particular subcultures within music have advocated drug use, mm-hmm. had advocated you know, um, murder and uh, have advocated um, dr- – I mean um, – Violence against women. Violence against women. It's definitely, definitely a huge thing. But the fact is you know, they're all separate. They're not connected in any way. Right. And people can't, you know, put a line towards this and that. I think this goes into a greater point that no matter where you go within art, there's always going to be negative, horrible people. Mm-hmm. Now, how can we remove their influence from the music, from the cultures? That's my question. Like, for instance, a metal band that talks about misogynistic things, mm-hmm. right? I don't choose to listen to them because I, that's not what I view as, you know, metal culture. Right. The metal culture I've been, you know, kind of ingrained and grew up with and been to so many concerts doesn't have that. Men right. and women are viewed as equals and that's that has been the thing. But the thing is there is there is a subset of that culture that views things differently and will advocate for those types of art to be put out there. Um, so I guess do you feel that within these subcultures there is issues within these like sub – you know, take art and you break it down into all its things – do you think that some subcultures or some you know subgenres of art are completely allow people to be? I mean, it, it, let's say allow, but let's say encourages people who are negative people to go towards these types or forms of art. Or do you think that isn't the case, and that it's more so that no matter where you go in life, there will be negative people in every in every form of. Right. Institution. <clears throat> I mean, if if you're a hip hop fan, yeah. you hear Eminem's music, yeah. you like it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. As a young impressionable kid, yes, that's gonna influence you growing up. Let's say you want to start rapping. Yes, you, he's your picture of what a good rapper is. Mm. You're gonna try to emulate that. I yes. Mean, so, so like be trying to be in those like the the circle or whatever the in group that Eminem created around himself or that he was a part of that like shock value rap style mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. rapping um, can definitely facilitate those like, types of the, yeah the behaviors be in that, that group would that just become people. accepted and okay. just like entrenched because of those of messages within the music because of the yeah okay gotcha now would you same thing with R Kelly okay. Okay, so that's a really interesting point. What would you say? I would that? say, well, I mean, 
The average consumer just wants to mindlessly consume. That's within human nature. <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah. want to work hard to think uh, about the yeah, things that are troubling. So I think the easy thing is to just try and separate them entirely and not recognize, you know, the sins of whatever person. But I think it's so important, regardless of uh, any situation, to consume mindfully because the power of patronage goes a long way for people that are still alive and that mm. still have influence. And if you give them a platform, you're inherently supporting somebody that's, that is doing vile things. It's probably getting away from it or getting away with it because they have a lot of money already or supporters like, yeah. like Kelly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And how do – I guess how do we inform other people to being more mindful? Like you said, mm-hmm. I would agree with you that most people just want to mindfully consume stuff and just like not even have to ever think about it. Right. How do we get other people to – realize that they should be thinking about this and that this should be one of the main lenses that they apply to when they view or ingest any type of art. Um, I think this lens is needed, especially in today's time and and for all time, to be honest. You know, I would say it's the same thing with any large-scale issue that people feel they they are powerless to control. Mm -hmm. But if they understand that at the base level, every individual adds up and that their their consumption or their support inadvertently so still does have an effect. Mm -hmm. So it's just having people recognize that they do have power, even if it is just their individual, like as as a whole. That's a really good point. No, I think I think it's a fantastic point, and I think. People underestimate their power mm-hmm. and the power of a consumer right. and the power of boycotts, right. the power I, of all this type of stuff. In you know, such a globalized world, I will say that it's probably harder to like – I don't know how to put this exactly. Sway just, public opinion? No, no. Just like like you listen to Art Kelly. Okay. You, uh, you go to the store and you buy his CD. It's mm-hmm. 10 bucks out of your pocket. Like it's hard to think about where that $10 goes. Right. So, like, so you're saying it's like it's, it's – tr- so Same thing with food. Like yeah. you buy your meat sliced up in a little box. Like that's uh, – it's – you don't under – like it's, it's called chicken. It's not yeah. called – um, you know, a hen or like it's they've all got it's just right. they there's powers to be that work to disconnect you from where your money goes. Right. So there mm-hmm. actually there is a natural inclination in marketing to, to get people to want to consume regardless of. the yes. Again, so it's just like everybody is working against the mindful consumption and yeah. it's all about selling and making money mm-hmm. and profit. Versus yeah, I would I would agree with you there. I would also make I would also kind of add like most people are comfortable sleepwalking through their lives. Right. I mean, I, I don't think I, – I would say most people are – that's their base. Mm-hmm. Like their baseline is just sleepwalking. And I would say the more someone tends to be a sleepwalker, the more I feel like advertisement and marketing has a manipulatory effect on person, on mm-hmm. a person. So like for instance, um, I would make the argument that if, if R. Kelly today put out an album – and you know, had a giant marketing machine behind him. Mm-hmm. I don't think you would see the same results in his album sales as you as you would once see. Right. Um, but primarily because the media has made a spectacle of what's been going on. All for, for, I'm happy they finally are covering this. But I think I think it goes to to say that the media has a has an influence in this and how they should cover this. Mm-hmm. And I think. 
keeping keeping artists accountable, like August said, and a responsibility. The media has a responsibility for sure to report right. these things. Now, August, do you see do you see that? Like, let's take let's take for instance. Um, let me think of a particular um, artist here. Well, or let's so, take the NFL. Let's take the well, NFL. So, well, before you go, go to the M&M, uh, before you go to the NFL. Something I made a note about Please. as far as music influence, um, when you were talking about Eminem, yes. that made me think about some recent current events was ASAP Rocky. Ah, oh, yes. I'm still laughing. <laughs> it's been a rocky week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Get back ASAP, ASAP. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Had to retweet that one. Yeah. But, uh,. But anyway, um, I think what happened was ASAP Rocky beat up this guy that was being, yeah, part of my language. I'm gonna swear. Is it Go a, ahead. He was being kind of a fuck boy a little yeah, bit yeah. to a girl. He was yeah. like, I think it was, I don't know what he was doing, just following her, being yes. creepy, being yeah, weird. Yeah. And um, so I think that ASAP Rocky was just trying to be honorable, which I appreciate, and he was just trying to like protect the the girl, yeah. but. Was she part of his entourage? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Okay. But, but another, you know, kind of interesting perspective, kind of from Jess when I was talking to her about yes. it, was that guy's listening to ASAP's music. Of course. That's he one is. of ASAP's fans. Of course. That is being influenced by his music to yeah. like grab chicks. And it's just kind of ironic that ASAP Rocky is like trying to like stop a cause that he prevented <laughs> and then he ends up going to jail for it. Well, yeah, well, it's you kind know, it's of like, kinda, it's you know, really interesting you know, splat in your face. Like yep. you, you talk about, you know, treating women a certain way. And then let's say now you see that happening in front of you and you feel a certain way about it. And then you get, you know, arrested. I mean like, Hey, maybe you're, Maybe helping you influence look at your music look at yeah, yourself maybe yeah. maybe you're allowing people to look at this in a way that it's not a big deal you know everybody's talking about you know sure. which is like ridiculous a- and stupid and i and i i mean i love asap yeah. you know Tons uh, of one time do. for asap mob one time for asap yams but <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the same time you just have to think about it it's like it's probably one of his fans yeah, know, of course it's one of his fans but know. like at the same time he also has to realize that he has a it goes back to the artist you know Influence on people. They have an influence on how people view them. Unfortunately, I would rather prefer people take in art and then like listen to the artists and then like, okay, this is what they, this is who they are. Okay. And I'm going to separate that from my, you know, being. But most people listen to an artist, take what the artist says and kind of integrates that with who they are, especially if they love an artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a problem. But yeah, that's, that is actually, I would say that's a, that's a big problem that I've been noticing. But what were we going to say about the NFL? Oh, so with the NFL, I mean, there's I can't I mean, there's the NFL is, you know, filled with domestic abuse uh, allegations and even proof stuff. Yeah. Tyreek Hill. He just got reinstated. I'm pretty sure. Well, which was unbelievable. I'm like, how? Yeah. Well, the fact and the fact is, you know, what makes me even more angry about this is how much. You know, taxpayers help the NFL (laughs) and all this stuff. Then I mean, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, I believe, is the number one uh, state paid employee in Michigan. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, of course. Considered, yeah, it's ridiculous. Of course, it's 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 to be to be honest with you, it's it's really gross. And the fact that an institution like the NFL has such high rates of domestic violence and such high rates of readmittance, like just allowing people to come in. Now, yeah, I mean, I feel like we have to look deeper. We have to get some counseling going. You know, definitely yeah. need to get some mental health checks going. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, the C- I mean, the CTE stuff definitely doesn't help. 
for with, sure. with any of that any of that stuff. I, but that like if the team knows about it beforehand, like let's say they do a draft interview and some stuff comes up and they draft him anyways because he's a really good player. See, like who's and then and then they reinstate him. <laughs> See, but the thing is like they're looking at that purely as a business decision. They're not. They're not even including morals into the argument here. Now, they, I mean, the alternative. I, I can make. A, I can make Inigenic, a business argument sure. for not putting him in there. I mean, you can clearly make this is horrible for the brand. Associating with this person is horrible for the brand. But what I'm saying is, there's a culture around the NFL that allows people to excuse this continuously over time because it's yeah. been happening since time immemorial for the NFL. For sure, and, and again, for me, it comes down to accountability. Okay, but I feel like um, should they? But the thing is, like, should should if, you know, should these people ever be allowed back? Because the way I look at it is, if you're I mean, if you're out I mean, there doing this maybe, type of stuff, you know, once, twice, you know, maybe. But if you're a repeat like, what is offender, it? it's like come well, on. The thing is, like, the thing is, like, how? And this kind of goes into like, if you're working for a group, for an institution. And you end up doing something outside that group or institution that you know is nefarious or, or evil. How should you? How should you accurately be punished? I think it comes down. I to like how people to be believe that people can change. So okay. let's say you drafted a real good player. Okay, uh, you didn't know anything about the allegations or just what that he was prone to doing that type of okay, stuff, so right? that type of assaults. Yeah, and then something happens. <clears throat> during this, during the season, yeah, just okay. something happens. Like after he's been on your team, you didn't know anything about this. He kept it under wraps, but suddenly something comes out. Okay. He did something bad. Yeah, who's so he gets you know he gets taken out of the league. Okay. He gets sent to like therapy classes, like you know reformation type stuff. Who's to say that those classes can't work? I, see, see, well, see, I haven't heard of any classes, so I feel like that's the you know that's, a, that's a number one. That's the right step in the right order. If Let's get I some mean, classes going. Well, uh, look, they, that as part of their punishments in the past, there have definitely been players who have been okay, forced good. to go like through like therapy types. But that's I, good. I also I mean, see, the thing is that's like a step in the right direction. Yeah. I see, think. I think a step or a, a bigger step in the right direction would probably be terminating them from their teams. You know, terminated from their teams, and whoever wants to pick them up can. I mean, maybe suspended. I would say maybe suspended. Uh, go to some classes. Go to some counseling. See if they change. If they change, okay. If, like, I agree with you. I agree there, that people there, can is, change. So if they, this, if this it's gets, a repeat offender, this gets you have in, to cut this gets into, Yeah, I, sure. This gets into the discussion of can, is there a like Tyreek Hill? I think he should be cut. Okay, from the for Chiefs. sure, for yep. sure. But is there is there a way? So look, depending on and obviously case by case basis. Is there a way for redemption for some of these artists or for some of their legacies? I I have a hard time saying I could even find a way to make an argument for a lot of these people. I, That's what I'm saying. I, I guess I'm, it's how, I'm not how against far the, deep I'm not, is yeah. it? You know, it's like how deep is it? <clears throat> well, I'm not against With the – R. Kelly, you know, I probably yeah. can't let that go. Yeah, of course. I don't you think know, anybody but, should uh, for that matter. But same with Bill Cosby. I agree. Nobody ever should let that go. Um, but I think – you know, to the greater to the greater point here, can't, should we? When you when when society sees uh, an artist or an influencer do something like this, mm-hmm. should then groups of people like we're doing today come in and then discuss accurate ways of viewing this art? Should there should be? Should, I mean, so should people be able to curate this stuff in such a way? So I, we talked about how. You know, art galleries and art museums put asterisks at you know at the bottom of the you know plaque where it explains the art. Right. What else should be done in these circums in these areas? Like I mentioned, Nicholas Nixon, his stuff was pretty much swiped from the Chicago 
um, photographic library. I mean, for, I mean, uh, photographic museum. I think. Right. Um, now that's a way to do it. It's mm-hmm. completely cancel and get rid of that stuff for sure. I think if the person's alive, I think that is probably the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. But for people that are dead, how can art galleries? How can radio stations? How can all of these institutions make a better effort to acknowledge that? Because I know the dead and alive thing is kind of a misnomer in a lot of ways. Right. Because I mean, obviously, again, like I said, it's it's it is case by case. But how can how can these other institutions let the general public know what they're consuming, or um, just or should they should they be curating that in any way? Is that um, something we should be doing? Well, I would say if it's relevant to the artist's life, obviously, and okay. how they create art, then you should preface with. Like, you know, they, they have done these things and that influenced them in these ways. In gotcha. Particular. Okay. So, again, it just goes back to mindful consumption. And with artists that are still alive, I think it's important to set a standard of reprimand so that they do pay for the crimes that they've committed. Okay, good. But also to be compassionate, to remember that these are human beings I that agree. are flawed. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point is that with, you know, your point of deification, with your point of how people end up looking at, you know, artists and – and other individuals uh, that are involved in public life, people tend to either look at them as a hero or completely as the worst, most vile human being in the world. There is no – okay, it's just black and white. It tends to be for a lot of people. Right. And like you take a person like um, – trying to think of an individual here that uh, you guys would kind of connect with. Um, let's take an individual like uh, 50 Cent, right? Mm-hmm. Who's rapped about um, misogynistic things, mm-hmm. and in the past has committed acts of violence. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, today, should people? So the thing is, like this happens a lot for a lot of rappers. A lot of rappers have done and have talked about in their music doing violent, terrible things to people. Some of it is fake. Some of it is just you know I'm playing this up for appeal. Mm-hmm. Sure, getting some emotion out, maybe. Yeah, but also. When should people like hear – they hear something that a rapper talks about doing and then say like, you know what? This is – this is this music is not good for people to take in because it's changing. It's – so young, impressionable people listening to this will think this is the way to be living life. Right. What is – what is the – I look at this place as a sense-making sense apparatus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how can we make sense of some of the art that is intentionally – you know, negative, intentionally negative. And I, I'm not I'm not trying to sound puritanical here because I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. But how can we help curate this art in such a way to rid the negative? I mean, is it possible to rid the negative aspects from certain things? I mentioned rap because that's a huge argument that people tend to have is that, oh, well, rap culture or, you know, hip hop culture in a sense has, you know, um, given people a thing to look up to and a lot of those things to look up to since gangster rap was big is being a gang member and getting being involved in gangs now i would not make that argument in terms of that's not my argument that's argument people make now do you think that that type of argument has any validity and if it does how should artists how should artists that are living today talking about that message how should they be treated 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times the artist could be probably like more of a scapegoat. Like if he wasn't listening to Eminem, he'd be listening to some other artist talking the same thing. So it's like, does it? So are you saying it's in the person's nature to find something like that? It could be. Okay, that's just, they're drawn to that type of stuff. Okay, Who, the individual artist that it is might not. No, it could. It could also make a huge difference, but it also yeah. might not make okay. a difference. Okay, I see so what you're like, saying. there's an element of scapegoating. I'm sure, just like, oh, re- hip hop's bad. Like, uh, yes, that happens. Same thing with like video games. Right now, choosing time. not to look at all the good positive benefits of playing video games, like you know, sharpening your brain type yeah. stuff. Yeah, and the or, same like, thing for listening listening, listening to, to certain exactly, types of music. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Now, how about for you? Because um, I would, I guess here, I guess let me let me just kind of put a. We'll end, Bo, because we're going to end up here finishing right now. Um, I So quickly, just two seconds. I think that an, art, an artist's biography shouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily be the end-all, be-all of how you look at their art. Right. I think that if their art and their biography is congruent in terms of like their biography influences their art, then I think we need to look at their biography more closely. But if their biography has nothing to do with their art, and I think we can appreciate the art on its own. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, if you want to, but if you yeah. want to, it's, a, yeah, it's obviously it's a free choice. But I will make the point that when an artist puts something out there, and I made this earlier, an artist puts something out there, it's not really the artist's artwork anymore. It's how people take it in. Right. Like so, like for instance, if Michael Jackson put a song out, millions of people are going to view it differently. And you know, people, it's not really Michael Jackson's song anymore. It's it's everybody's kind of song. Right. In a way, this becomes an anthem for other people. You know, this, it, that's oh, the song is my anthem. Did the guy allow you to make it his anthem? No. Did the girl allow you to make it the anthem? No. But people will automatically do that in their brain. Like, oh, this song is my anthem. This song is that. Right. Now, to end here today, guys, do you feel um, that what we talked about today, do you feel that all this type of discussion is – Helping the situation or does it muddy the waters? Because that's kind of what I I wanted to end on today because I do think sometimes if you overthink things, you can kind of, you know, analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis. I would say that it's probably pretty clear that it definitely helps. Okay, Um, Having it out in the open and being able to talk about it is better than having it behind closed doors with like a select few knowing about it, right? Yeah. Um, My last closing thought for the day would be – Whenever you're looking at anything like this, it's important to take the, you know, the account of the victim. They're the ones who matter the most. Yes. Whether you think the guy was a good guy or was a bad guy. Or a good artist or talented. It's how, or... It's how the person he was alleged to have wronged feels about it at the end of the day that matters to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would agree. Yeah. Um, so I would say uh... – Sorry. Yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but um, definitely in as far as the union term of um... – understanding the shadow goes mm. i think you absolutely need to understand the shadow of Very humanity important. the shadow of the individual before you can understand their personhood okay yeah and uh, so ultimately i would say just awareness having the conversation talking about it is so important i do think it does good and okay. you know if people don't want to hear the truth then that's just a matter of them sticking their heads in the sand okay. and i think that's careless i i, I think that's incredibly immature and mm. that's the lazy man's out, way yeah, out you know yeah that's a good point that's an excellent point August closing it for us, bro. Uh, sure. I mean, as far as talking about it versus not talking about it, I mean, we haven't been talking about it, so it's like we we have to say something. We have to, right? You know, so I f- I feel like it's going in the right direction. People are being held accountable. Um, I really like 
the dynamics you're talking about of mindful consum- consumption and just mm-hmm. you know that responsibility that we have as consumers. Yeah. So in, in a sense. Okay. Well, I want to thank all of you for coming in today. Thank you for talking about this difficult, to- you know, difficult topic. It's, you know, it's, it, it really a lot of people struggle with it, and I just want to say thank you to the listeners out there. Mm-hmm. 